women who have survived unthinkable and unspeakable violence behind the closed doors of their own homes are speaking out more than ever before. This podcast is dedicated to sharing the stories and journeys of women survivors turned entrepreneurs and how they use their strength and tenacity to help other women move from surviving to thriving. Welcome to Flow Rising. This show contains adult topics and often contains triggering stories. Audience discretion is advised. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this episode of Flow Rising. I'm your host, Megan, and today I am joined by trauma coach Whitney, and she's going to share with us a lot about her business and how she got here, just like all my guests. Um, Whitney, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. Um, so a little bit about myself. Uh, I yes. am a wife of 12 years and we have three daughters. Um, I got into trauma recovery coaching about a year ago and um, I love to focus on adults healing from childhood neglect and abuse um, because it's a very wide umbrella. Um, yeah people who have gone through that kind of stuff, obviously it manifests in different ways. And, mm -hmm. um, we end up until healing can get trapped into a lot of unhealthy, um, coping skills and behavioral patterns that can lead us down the wrong path. Yeah, no, I know. I know that one very, very well, you know, I, yeah. uh, I share often on the show with my audience, they know well that uh, it's almost four years now, but I ended an 18 year marriage that was very violent. And I yes. said, okay, we're going to heal from that. And as I started healing from that, I went, oh, this goes farther back. It's so <laughs> much more. Back. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I started my healing journey in um, 2019. It's like I just kind of woke up one day and was like, ah. Mm -hmm. oh, I have the perfect life from the outside, but there's just something internally that yeah. I just, I can't, I don't feel happy and I mm -hmm. couldn't figure out why I wasn't feeling happy. Yeah. And, um, so in February of 2020, I went to my very first therapy session, um, 33 years old mm -hmm. and was like, I can't stop crying. I need you to help. And, uh, yeah. so we went all the way back into my childhood and it blew my mind, the foundational lies that I bought into and, mm -hmm. you know, just allowed some of the toxicity to infiltrate myself and then denying myself and my needs. Um, it's just so deeply rooted and people are mm -hmm unfortunately unaware of how deeply rooted that stuff can actually get into our psyches and into our bodies. Yep. Yeah. No, I think that that was my biggest aha as I started moving through. Um, actually, so it's funny. You talk about February of 2019. That was the last, oh, 2020. So, but in 2019, that was when I started leaving my ex. 2020 was when I finally got divorced. Yeah. And you know, 2020 was a great year to try and find therapy. <laughs> <laughs> like right? not a thing. Like luckily you found, you got connected, but I actually just started therapy last year after, you know, many tries uh -huh. and restarts and, and trying to get connected with someone. 
found someone who is finally trauma informed therapist. Yes. Super important. I always tell so people. So important. Yeah. Find that person who either has been through, like you, walked mm-hmm. through your path or yeah. has done the work from the trauma perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Not all therapists. And I always like equal. to encourage people definitely like don't just go with the first therapist you find yeah. or trauma coach that you find, whatever your journey is. Mm-hmm. Um, don't be scared to try people out and feel them out because it is such a personal journey. You need yeah. to find somebody that you can connect with and feel like you can trust because you are diving into some really dark stuff. Yeah, no, that's that. And I think that's what it is with this therapist I have now was it's like, I finally felt like, oh, oh, I can just talk to you. Like, okay. You know, and, and I'm a couple of months into it. No shame. No, none of it. Like she just asks really great questions. And, you know, I, this last therapy session this week, I was talking about, um, I've been trying to, I've been trying to go no contact. I'm the human being Mm -hmm. that like, you know, I've, I've had to make that choice. Like for me, the choice to go no contact with my mother, who's my childhood abuser was, and it's finally like, I had to put up this hard line and I walked into therapy and I was like, Oh my God, she's going to tell me that I did the wrong thing. And and she was just like, how do you feel? Let's talk about how you feel. And you're new. And I was like, yourself. Oh yeah. People who have been traumatized as children, we, we, get into this mindset that we need to appease our caregiver in order to Mm -hmm. receive that love and validation. When in reality, like we're, we're babies, we should just have unconditional love and validation. Yeah. Yeah, And I think, you know, you're, you said you're a mom of three. I am. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I have two, two boys now, one's bio, one step. So Mm -hmm. I have two teenage boys now and and I think that's, that's the biggest thing is, is being a parent. Yes. And it just made me more aware of like, oh, oh, no, exactly. I really do like repeat these things. Like I just yes. I see it show up. And I've, I've yes. had other guests who are that way. They're like, it didn't show up till I had a kid. And I was like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. that's, that's really yeah. normal. Being, becoming a mom was really eye-opening for me because I had this idea of how I wanted to parent, but because I didn't have the good examples is as a child, I ended up falling into a lot of patterns that I was raised on. And, um, when my oldest daughter was about seven or eight, I started noticing a lot of anxiety and perfectionism start manifesting within her behaviors. Mm -hmm. And it's, it terrified me because I was like, wow, I don't want my (laughs) past reality to become your reality. Um, and so I just started devouring all these different books about changing your own behavioral patterns and, um, what children really need during their developmental years and Mm -hmm. just pouring into my kid to kind of reverse some of the early damage that I did because I didn't know any better and just having a whole lot of grace on myself and being willing to go back and apologize to my daughter when I wasn't a good mom and, Mm -hmm. you know, acknowledge, I wish I had done this different or said this different and they're so sweet they definitely show me so much grace well I and I think that that's the thing that that's the most important I I mean I don't care if your kids are infants or adults the best thing you can do for your relationship with your child is work on yourself yeah like that's I've I've realized that because I 
I have a 14 year old boy. I'm like, first off, that's a hard age regardless. Like, I don't care who you are. That's a hard age. And then that the fact that, you know, his childhood in some regards was actually worse than my childhood because he had to be in an environment where he's being emotionally and verbally abused himself yeah. and then witnessing mom being physically yeah. abused and, you know, and, and all of that being heaped on him. And yeah, he's, yeah. you know, dealing with that, that can now be a trauma that's, you know, mm -hmm. when you witness it, that can be very damaging as well. Well, and that's how we, a lot of times how we got to where we were with our own childhood traumas yeah. that our parents were traumatized in some ways. And, you know, like my, my parents oh, yeah. have come to the realization they probably were huge. Yeah. If yeah. you don't know better, you can't do better. Mm -mm. And a lot of people, so unfortunately, always... within our society, just kind of look at therapy and working on yourself as like this weakness instead of a strength. Yeah. Um, yep. And I really want to change that <laughs> viewpoint that, yes. I mean, it takes so much courage to be vulnerable and say, I don't know it all. Mm -hmm. what can, what can I do to kind of change this atmosphere that I'm living in? Yeah. No, I think, and I think that's, that's really huge as far as, you know, that, that healing. And, and I love that, you know, we always talk about it as a journey because it's not, it's not a process. Like there's not a, okay, I'm going to start <laughs> here and then I'm getting to the destination and I'm healed. Yeah. No, it's like an onion. You're going to just keep on layering I, and going, oh, so I, I didn't know that was the there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I have no idea. It's such a good analogy because it, honestly, like once you have one piece of the puzzle, it's like just another layer comes out and mm -hmm. you're like, man, I thought I tackled that. <laughs> Here's another angle. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, absolutely. So I always ask my guests in every way, you know, <sighs> however you want to share your, because one of the things that we do on the show is talk about as honestly as we want to what our actual experiences were. So I know that you said you started working on your own childhood traumas. When you started, what kind of things were you, did you like, Oh, that was traumatic. I didn't realize that. <laughs> um, I actually like, I knew parts of my childhood were not normal, but because they weren't talked about and really looked at, um, I just kind of assumed like everybody had crap like that. And yeah. so realizing that my journey is very unique, but I can also relate to a lot of people was wild. Yeah. <laughs> just discovering all of this. Um, so I come from a house where my parents divorced early on. Mm -hmm. Um, my mom was undiagnosed bipolar and, um, my dad worked a lot. So they had a lot of marital issues and ended up separating, um, between me being between 12 to 18 months and then, um, fully divorced between 18 months to two years. I don't know exactly, yeah. dates, but, um, we stayed with my mom for a while, but it just became, um, a little too challenging for her, uh, with her mental health issues. And so my dad took full custody of my older sister and I, um, and through just having to support two children and working a lot, um, we bounced around through daycare and, uh, we also stayed with my grandparents a lot. Um, 
through my toddler years, I was about five years old when um, it was discovered that my grandfather was molesting me um, and a few other of the female grandchildren. Um, at that point, my dad kind of like separated us from my grandparents. We would go occasionally to visit, but we weren't left alone with him anymore. Um, but even just being in the same environment with him was really confusing to my young brain because it's like, oh, I have this personal obligation to stay away from grandpa, but yet I'm also supposed to care about him and love him and forgive him and all these things. And it was just, it was very, very confusing with how to really understand love and affection and what's appropriate. So sexuality was... Um, I didn't understand it in a healthy sure. dynamic for sure. many, many years. Yeah. Um, rest of my elementary years were pretty normal kid stuff. Uh, but my dad became a very, um, dedicated Christian, uh, when I was around mm -hmm. five and we grew up in a Pentecostal charismatic environment <laughs> Um, yep. and I, as much as I dislike using the word spiritual manipulation, um, I, I definitely feel like there was a lot of that involved. Yep. And during, you know, the early nineties, um, therapy was kind of frowned upon. Like you could do Christian therapy that was acceptable, yep. but modern, uh, CBT therapy was like, I don't know, borderline witchcraft. I don't even know how. To... Yeah, <laughs> how it was. It was that. It was just. Yeah, it was a huge it was, no no. Um, it was. Yeah. So I didn't get help, and you know, using a lot of the scripture to kind of insinuate that you should just get over things Oof. was yeah. really challenging. Um, mm -hmm. Because how do you get over something if you don't understand it, right? Yep. Can't. Uh, so growing up a little bit more, um, when I was 13, uh, I was targeted by a pedophile couple. Um, they mm. used a 17-year-old boy to lure mm. me into their realm of chaos. <laughs> Um, yeah. and I tried very hard to continue to be the good girl who wanted sure. to remain a virgin until marriage because being a Christian, that's what we are very much taught. Um, yep. and, uh, I was exposed to various things like pornography, oral sex, mm -hmm. um, lots of alcohol, uh, smoking mm -hmm. cigarettes. Um, yep. And over a course of a few months, that desensitization, oh, words are hard. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, <sighs> grooming is such a disgusting thing. It really is. Yep. Because they know just how far to go cross that boundary yep. to where it doesn't raise a red flag, but it's just yeah. enough to make you question whether it's okay or not. Um, yep. 
And so after a few months, um, there was one evening in particular where they um, drugged me and assaulted me. Um, And because I knew that I had already been deceitful to my dad about where Mm -hmm. I was, what I was doing, hanging out with an older boy, drinking, smoking. Like I knew that there were already things that I was at fault for. Sure. So I stuffed it down and was just like, oh, I guess I will keep this a secret and I just won't go back. Yep. So I tried not going back and I became extremely depressed because I didn't know how to handle that trauma. Oh, yeah. um, and I ended up trying to overdose uh, to, mm-hmm. you know, block out the pain that I was experiencing. Yeah. Um, my dad wasn't aware of the trauma that I had endured. So I was grounded and blamed and was like, oh, you're just being a rebellious child. Yep. Uh, So I was further isolated. Um, The young boy that I had been seeing from that pedophile situation, uh, he contacted me a few weeks after I stopped going and just really, um, tried to express how much that he missed me and cared about Mm me. Sure. Uh, and because I was being isolated at home, I decided to go back and Mm. that was a horrible decision. Um, because I was further exposed to a lot of physical degradation and, um, it just traumatized me even further. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that experience, I definitely stayed away from boys for quite a while after that. Um, and when I was ready to start venturing into relationships again, um, I had some not so kind experiences, Sure, which led me to, I guess, giving them what they want and hurting Mm -hmm. them before they could hurt me. Yep. So a very bad pattern. Um, I got involved in two very long-term relationships that were extremely toxic. First one Mm -hmm. was, um, between 16 and 17 years of of age. Um, he was very controlling. I had a dress code. I couldn't wear makeup. I couldn't go anywhere without him constantly accused of having affairs and I was so isolated. It's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, mentally, emotionally abusive, sexually abusive. Yep. Um, I finally got the courage to leave that relationship and, um, tried to keep my distance from relationships again and was not successful. Uh, I got into another relationship a few months after that. And man, when you're unhealthy, you just attract some nasty people. Oh yeah. Uh, so I ended up in a five-year relationship and I knew after six months, I was like, 
I don't think this is the best thing I could be in, but I was so accustomed to being in a relationship, whether it was toxic or not, and having a lot of abandonment issues as a child. It just seemed more comfortable to be with somebody who claimed to care about me than to be alone and have that fear of rejection. And that kept me trapped for five years. Um, About two years into our relationship, it started getting a lot more abusive, mentally, physically, sexually. Um, It was bad. About two years into the relationship, I started going to church. My dad came to visit me. Sure. And, uh, you know, growing up in the church, I was like, oh, he's going to want to go to church. I got to find something. Um, So I did. And I found a church that I just, it was completely different than what I grew up in. Hmm. Um, And it just felt more welcoming uh, Mm -hmm. and less judgmental. Yeah. Uh, So I started going to that and it took about three years for me to gain the courage to start changing my environment. And I finally left that relationship as well. Uh, And yeah, then I met my husband who is amazing. (laughs) Well, and then, and then you got, you know, you, you, you had, you know, well, I, I don't come at it from a Christian standpoint. I come at it from a spiritual standpoint, but I don't care. (laughs) Yeah. We, we pray, we manifest, we attract whatever the words that you want to use, but that's what happens is that, and you know, it's interesting. I'm listening to your story and I don't, I don't often talk about the religious abuse part that I endured as a child. Yeah. Because I'm like you, I hesitate to use it and I don't know why. Like I'm listening to your story and I'm like, so, you know, I never had the sexual abuse and it's so funny how to me growing up, that would have been like the worst. Like you always thought somebody had it worse. Yeah. You know, my particular thing was my parents disciplined me and I'm using quotations because they disciplined me with, you know, belts on bare bottoms. (laughs) And I now go, no, they beat me. Why did I get into an 18 year relationship? Like you said, you repeat those cycles. You got into sexually abusive, physically abusive relationships because that's how you associated love from a very young age. Yeah. Same thing. Yeah. And we do. And the church, I'm glad that you actually found healing in that church. I well, I walked away from faith for a long you time. You know, it, <laughs> I will throw in a little caveat because, yeah. I, you know, I, I tried really hard. They offered like a, a recovery program at that church. And, sure. And... Um, Again, that was well before trauma-informed care. And so even in that environment, they were only looking at my outward actions and current behavior patterns instead of trying to acknowledge how those patterns got formed. And Mm -hmm. so even in that environment, I was still getting traumatized a little bit because all these people were saying, yeah, but you shouldn't be doing that. You shouldn't be doing that. You need to just stop. And it's like, I understand and I want to stop, but I don't know how, you know, like, again, it's like giving a toddler a shoe and being like, put the shoe on. Well, do they know where the shoe goes? Do they know they should put a sock on first? Like, do they even know what their foot is? So there's all these different stages that need to happen in someone's healing journey before you can 
just expect them to change everything. Yeah. And I think that's what we said earlier, whether it's a coach or a therapist, whatever, you need to find someone that, that starts with trauma informed because that's, there's just something about, you know, I sit and I'm like, I hear your story and I'm like, okay, that didn't happen to me, but I know how you got where you got, even though that specific incident didn't happen. I understand that because like you're talking about the church and I'm like, yeah, I grew up in a, Mm -hmm. you know, very, very women derogatory church. So of course I did, you know, my, my, the women in my family were teaching me you're the problem and you should be ashamed of yourself. The church was reiterating it. Every boy I ever dated was reiterating it. They're saying you're evil. You're awful. Your body is mine. That culture is so toxic, super toxic. And while I don't experience the horrific sexual, you know, experiences that you did, Again, people don't equate faith-based traumas to something being traumatic. Trauma is trauma. You know, yeah, you may not have experienced some of the things I did, and I probably haven't experienced some of the things you have, but the mental mental strain that occurs when those traumas happen, it's the same. It's the same. It really is. And it It is the same type of healing and exposure to um, gentle, loving ruptures and repairs. Like I use a lot of that in my practice of like, hey, Mm -hmm. you know, so I'm a verbal processor. So there are times where I offend you, but just let me know. Be like, Whitney, that's not okay to say. And I'm going to be like, oh, okay. And we can experience very healthy ruptures and repairs. In childhood neglect and abuse, you don't learn that. Mm -mm. You're told to just like, shut up, be quiet, do what I said, do as I say, not as I do. I do. Man, how confusing is that for a kid? Mm -hmm. You know, they, they, they learn by watching Mm -hmm. more than they ever. And, you know, having a teenager, I'm, I'm, (laughs) because I love research and I love psychological research. (laughs) Learning the fact that the teenage, like our, our logic brain doesn't even come online until 16 and isn't fully developed until 25, 25. 25. and you're like, Oh, yep. Oh wait. So we treat you like a quasi adult, but you're operating in the same emotional brain space as a child. Oh. There are even parts of your brain that are not 100% fully developed until you're closer to 40. Oh, and I would believe that it's, it's interesting how, um, well, I, t- I would never actually probably need to get the brain scans cause I wouldn't put myself in a traumatized space. <laughs> the, um, the book that the body keeps the score, I love it. I'm kind of guessing. I was gonna say, I usually oh, yeah. say it never was like, Oh my God, it was amazing. It's over That's here. a great book. It's, yeah, it's over there. The body keeps the score is a book that we talk about a lot on the show yes. with all kinds of people, because it talks about, you know, where they early on where they started using MRIs and brain scans. And before I read that book, I was, I kept trying to explain to my partner, cause I'm actually in a healthy relationship now. I'm like, yes. it feels like my brain, this amazing, wonderful, working, logical piece mm-hmm. just shuts off. And then I read the book and I went, I was right. It's not working. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fight or flight, that reptilian brain, it just kicks on and you have no control. And no so control. recreating those neurological pathways, mm-hmm. very hard work, 
But the plasticity yes. within your brain is so beautiful and you can yeah. rewire it and you can mm-hmm. heal it. And I mean, I also talk a lot about chronic illnesses because I have several yeah. autoimmune disorders from yep. constantly holding in all of that trauma for mm-hmm. 30 plus years. Yep. And the habit like that it uh Rex, re- I, yeah. words are hard again. Um, it's okay. But I mean, it just, it tears your insides up when you can't release all of that energy and tension. Yep. And it's amazing. <laughs> yeah. No, my, my son's therapist, it was interesting. She put it very, she goes, there's, there's three ways that we feel. Mm-hmm. There's the, there's the thought, mm-hmm. which is a mental feeling. There's the body, which is a physical feeling. And then there's the emotion and they're all tied. And usually it's thought, physical, emotion. But with trauma, you may be feeling something in your body. And like I often, you know, I ended up, I'm, I'm 42. So this year I like, there was one day and I'm like, oh my gosh, my stomach hurts so bad. Cause I've always felt that anxiety in my stomach. Yep. Well, I go in and they're like, you have a massive ulcer. (gasps) She goes, she goes, have you ever been in any stress? And I looked at her and I went. I'm just going to say long-term physical abuse. And she goes, oh, and I'm like, but that, because that's where I would put all of that. And then, you know, and you talk about that learning to rewire and stuff. And oh yeah, that's the other benefit of having someone who's trauma informed is you can say things like, (laughs) I say this to my therapist. I'm like, so I had another meltdown yesterday. And, and she knows, see, and you're laughing because you're like, I know exactly what you mean. So what was the trigger? Do you know? And what was your body doing? Do you know? And how long had you been there? Do you know? And it's just so different with someone who's trauma informed, been there and done that. And you're like, yeah, I didn't know that I'd been holding on to that one for like two weeks. And then, you know, something silly, like my son sneezed wrong. And it it feels silly to say that that you melt down like a toddler, but and I, I say these for the audience's yeah. benefits, because if you're in that mode and you're hearing this and you're like, oh, that's a thing. I'm not crazy. No, you're not crazy. It happens. Yep. So I actually also, I, I'm an HSP, so I'm a highly sensitive person uh, and I have yep. a lot of like sensory processing sensitivity. So yep. sound. Oh my gosh. <sighs> and with three kids, I'm like, <sighs> I, I wear little earplugs most of the time. Earplugs. Yep. Loop, loop earplugs earplugs love them so good yep oh my gosh yeah. if you have sensory issues get them um yeah but it's it is so funny how your environment triggers these responses and there's a mm-hmm. phrase um your state uh creates your story mm-hmm. and what's interesting is that the neurological connections um it happens like 80% comes from your body to your brain and only 20% mm-hmm. from your brain to your body. So when you're holding on to all of that tension and trauma within your body, like your body's going to feel it way before your brain can acknowledge it. Yep. Um, and I mean, I even still go through fits during the night because a lot of my assaults happened at night. At night. And sure. so I will have to 
intentionally start with my head and work my way down to relax every muscle in mm -hmm. my body and remind myself I am safe, I am cared mm -hmm. for, I am loved, um, yep. all the things. And I mean, I probably have to repeat this cycle about 10 times until I pass yep. out. <laughs> Yeah, until but, you're actually wear yourself out. Yeah, yeah, but it's, I mean, it's a thing. I'm, I yeah. am still in the middle of healing. Totally. The, um, the, the somatic nervous system parts yep. of my body. It's like, I have it all up here. I know yep. it, but I've been so disassociated from my body yep. for so long that it takes forever for me at least to be able yeah, to allow if, myself to sit with that discomfort and remind yep. myself where it comes from and that that is yep. no longer my reality yeah and i think i've had that because i've only been in the relationship i'm in now so i'm almost four years out of the marriage which mine was 18. so yeah. you talk about staying for five and it's never and i always tell people this kept no it's comparison hard. it's hard <laughs> but I stayed for 18 and now I'm in a healthy relationship. And so at the end of February, mm -hmm. um, I just started getting all weird and wonky. And I'm with an, my partner is extremely empathic. So he knows before I do, like he can feel it. That's so good. Which is like, oh my God, it's beautiful for him to look and go, yeah. what's wrong. And I go nothing. And he goes, no clue in what's, what's wrong. wrong for days. And I'm like, what's wrong. And he finally asked me, he goes, what's the date? And I lose time. Like I will actually not know if I'm not in front of a calendar because similar things. So our body, this is one thing I learned. Our body has five types of memory and our brain has one. <laughs> and our oh, brain is not as reliable as our bodies. Yeah. I follow neuroscientists. Like I'm a total nerd. I love no, I love it. I love it. But our bodies, so like our bodies remember dates. And he asked me and he's like, what's the date? And I go, I go, well, it's, it's February 28th. And I, I mean, literally like fell on the floor, lost it, started crying. He's like, what happened on this date? It was the last time my ex ever beat me. And that was only, wow. so that was February 28th, 2019. Mm -hmm. So here we are three years later or four years later yeah. after that experience. And I didn't remember that that was the date. Yeah. Like that date did not. And so he said, what's the date? And that triggered my memory, my mental memory mm -hmm. to let go. So my body memory could remember. And that was, and that was one of the, uh, I, I always don't compare. I don't remember most of them. So yeah, I don't that either. to me was, it, that's very normal. <laughs> <laughs> but for me, that one, I remember because specifically that day, the beating happened for several hours, probably three or four hours that morning. And that afternoon I had an obligation. So I actually had to go be around people. So you talk about being HSP. Oh, no. Yeah, I, I didn't know that about myself until recently. And then I had to go be around an extremely noisy environment, an extremely stressful situation. And I was black and blue. And at that particular day, four years ago was, it was 80 degrees. And I had to wear a turtleneck and long sleeves because the entirety of my body was covered in bruises. Oh, and I didn't remember any of that for four years until that day, my body said, it's time to let that one go. Yeah. And so now if it happens next year, I'll be like, oh, we're getting to we February. Why am I feeling wonky? I can work through it. But that's that neuroplasticity that you yep. talk about is when you bring that recognition to it and it's hard and it's really yeah. hard on people around us. Yeah. But being working with therapists or coaches or stuff helps 
create that. Oh, like you said, yes. you've got to go through your mental. I call it yes. mental acrobatics. Yeah. You know, I'm constantly going, okay, I'm triggered. What triggered me? What do I feel? Like it's this constant, okay, yeah. I'm safe. I'm happy. I'm healthy. I'm whole. Like I use this whole yep. thing that you do yep. to just get to where you're like, okay. Yeah. You know, and I, I feel super blessed that I don't actually have to go work at JLB uh, because I'm not really sure that I could actually do that and function anymore now that I'm aware of, like you said, noise. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, like I love working yep. from home. <laughs> this is, this is my safe space and I'm yep. the same way. Yep. I have my yep. office. I do a lot of, you know, stuff over the computer. I yep. like that. Um, yep. So, oh, I did, while you were talking, something that crossed mm -hmm. my mind, um, yes. I did want to just acknowledge that, you know, even when you do get into these healthy relationships, it doesn't mean that everything is just going to naturally fall into place. So you still have <sighs> no. to do some hard work. And I will use my marriage as a good example because, you know, yeah. we've been together 13 years total. And honestly, like, it's only been the last two, two and a half years mm -hmm that we have been amazing. Like sure. he finally yep. gets me. I finally get him. Yep. There were so many hard moments in those yep. first 10 years of marriage. And, yep. you know, we had children very quickly, so we didn't really mm -hmm. get time to spend with each other and get to know each mm -hmm. other. It creates a lot of chaos, mm -hmm. but it's it does. doable. It is. And that's, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm in my, you know, I'm in my forties. And so this is yeah. his, his technically his, it'll be his third marriage. We are getting married, um, but it's going to be his third marriage, my second marriage. And, you know, we're combining families. Mm -hmm. We have two teenage boys who could be more different and have both <laughs> like everyone in our household has trauma. Everyone in our household has, you know, childhood trauma. We all experienced it, but the thing that we, you talk about that, that recovery. So yeah. you, you cannot expect, and actually if you go in the expectation that, oh, healthy human, they're going to fix me. Guess what? Really fast way for you to just devastate a great relationship. Yep. Yep. Because the work that is- was my that reality. I did. I put my husband on this yes. pedestal. Pedestal. Like, You're amazing. You're so gentle yep. and kind and understanding. Yep. And he would never push me to share more than I wanted to share. And it just felt so good. <laughs> but then he yep. wouldn't understand when I would have these triggers and go from yep. like high to extreme low and crash and- Yep. You know, it yep. was just confusing for him too. And it was confusing for me because I didn't know why for I was doing it. No, I was doing it. Yep. <laughs> That's well, luckily my partner had, he had spent the six years before he met me recovering from his own terribly abusive uh, marriage, his yeah. last marriage. Yeah. Um, and, you know, still dealing with toxic ex with co-parenting. That's always fun too. But that's an aside. Yeah. But the thing, because he'd done his own work, and I think that that's the most important thing about what a healthy relationship is, mm -hmm. is that your partner works on themselves. You work on yourself and you work on the us self. Yeah. There's, you're constantly having to do both of those because yeah. again, yeah, my partner totally understood trauma healing mm -hmm. and then he met me and he was like, 
why do you have these emotional meltdowns? I don't understand why you're getting triggered. And all of a sudden you're screaming and crying and like a toddler. And what do you need? And it, it took him probably good, like 10 months before he realized, oh, you just need a hug. Oh, we haven't. Cause like I, I tell him, I'm like physical touch no. for me is like, there's no such thing as too much. And it took him a while to be like, because for him, mm -hmm. my emotional trigger would trigger him because he thought that I was using it to manipulate. Cause that's what his ex would do. Oh, good point. Yes, yeah. that does happen. Yeah. Yep. Because I'm a highly emotional person, like my emotions. I'm a very passionate person. <laughs> yeah. We'll go yes. with that. And, yeah. <laughs> uh, so occasionally I get a little too passionate. And yeah, uh, it happens. early on, I would just be crying and be like, I'm so sorry. I'm never like this. I don't know what's wrong. And after yep. a few months, he was just like, I'm going to need you to stop saying that because you are like this several times a month and it's okay. All the time. Yeah. And I was yeah. just like, oh, I've been apologizing my whole life for being too sensitive. I guess I don't need to apologize. need to apologize. Thank you for giving yeah. me the space. And and even if that was early on before you started your healing, that was healing because Absolutely. somebody was saying, actually, um, and I, my partner talks about this all the time. Like he would start in our, the very beginning of our relationship. He was like, you know, your self-worth is in the basement and you need to learn how to validate yourself. Now his words were right, but I wasn't there yet. He can say that to me today and it'd be like, oh, else that to was show you your word before you can. And he didn't he didn't understand that I wasn't there yet, yeah. that I was in the, I need you to show me. And it took a couple of months and, and then I think it was like six months in. And then all of a sudden, like, I don't know what I said. I don't even remember. I said something that triggered that he realized that that's what I needed. Uh -huh. And then he would start doing things like saying, uh, you know, I'm really proud of you for expressing your emotions today. Yeah. I really value, you know, the way that you keep the house. Cause yeah. like to me had not having a job was like, I'm valueless. Cause that was how I was raised. Yeah. You had to yep. be the wife, the mother, the Pinterest mother before the Pinterest thing was a the thing. Then you had to go out and be the career woman. And the career was more important than being the wife and the mom, but being the wife and the mom was like the, the gold star because you could do it all. And you never cried and you never showed so emotions. many hats. Like, but I'm not a juggler. Yep. <laughs> Yeah. It's impossible. He, Society yep. sets women up for failure with these false expectations. Well, not false, but yep. unrealistic expectations. Yeah. Who can do this? Like the people nope. who claim they can do it all probably have <laughs> nannies and housekeepers. I'm like, and they don't actually. My bird, he's like, uh, <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> Let it be dirty. <laughs> like, no. Well, <laughs> I, I always joke that when I first met my partner, my, my favorite gift to me that he just had was that he had house cleaners. And so, uh, but now it's like, I want to teach my children to actually learn how to clean a house because heaven forbid, they actually go live on their own and live in a bachelor pad. And that's disgusting. You don't know how to clean a toilet because no one expected it. Yeah. 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 But I was like, I was like, no, we're going to have a house cleaner for a while. And now we don't. But yeah, that was great for me because it was just one less thing. He's like, don't even worry about it. He's like, yeah. you don't have to scrub toilets. It's not an expectation. Oh, you don't have to have a job. It's not an expectation. Oh, so what am I supposed to do? Heal. What? Oh, and it took me a while to really settle yeah. into that. And now I'm like, okay, I've, I've gotten to where 
for me, the most interesting thing is the return of my energy. I used, I mean, the entirety of my adult life, I was dragging bottom. I was 60 to 70 pounds heavier than I am now. I ate junk food like crazy. I craved sugar all the time. And I was just like, I feel like crap all the time. And now that I'm doing the emotional healing, I'm like, oh, Mm -hmm. yeah, I still don't want a job and I still can't handle like the whole chaos of a work environment, but I have energy to actually volunteer and (laughs) go do things, have friends, all the things. I was like, I didn't know I could do these. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what's beautiful about that diving into a healing journey um, yes. that you you discover, you know, like you said, the onion. Yeah, there's more layers to heal from, but there's also more layers of, oh, that's me. Oh, oh, that's me too. Oh, I can, I can do that. Oh, I didn't know that about myself. Yeah. Honestly, with where I'm at right now, and I mean, and this is one of the reasons that I, you know, went into trauma recovery was because having been through that healing journey and knowing like what's going on in my brain and my body and being able to break that shame and guilt and the unhealthy patterns and stuff. Like I just love pouring that into other people. And when you Mm -hmm. do finally get to that point of healing, it's, it becomes really easy to like see those aspects in other people Um, and not in a way where you're just like walking down the street and be like, oh, you have trauma. You have trauma. Everybody's got trauma. I mean, everybody does have trauma, but, (laughs) um, but when you get into those really good relationships with people and you have, again, the ruptures and repairs, like, I mean, you're putting two humans together, you're going to have a rupture and repair and how you handle that. It, it can make or break the relationship. Even it does. if it's just a friendship or an acquaintance, mm-hmm. um, everybody's communication style is different. Everybody's love languages are different. Um, mm-hmm. And when you become more in tuned with your own self and your mm-hmm. needs and not shoving them down to appease other people, number one, you attract the people who will genuinely love you because yep. you're not just giving false stuff to people you're honoring yourself in your space um but then you're able to really give other people what they also need in return Mm -hmm. because you're being fulfilled yeah that's beautiful i love that that's yeah and i i think i love that the most about my guests is that I, i find that all of them are doing just great work with giving back to those who, you know, have walked the path before. Yeah. Um, and it's funny. I look up at these and I go, oh my gosh, our time's up. It always goes so fast. Um, <laughs> as we wrap up this show, I always want people to know if they really want to connect with you, contact you, maybe work with you or just get some more information from you. What's a really great way for people to get connected with you right now? Yeah. So if you have social media, you can find my information on Instagram at WMC Trauma Coach. Um, and then if you're not on social media, and I'm not huge on social media, uh, yeah. just because, you know, technology is hard for some people. Uh, yep. <laughs> but email is also good. Uh, and that is WMC.TraumaCoaching at gmail.com. Perfect. And for those watching or listening, those links are right down below. So you can just tap one of those links, get connected to Whitney um, and get more information as that works for you. Whitney, thank you so much for being open and sharing. And I enjoyed having our time together, um, you know, as, as we recorded this one, because yeah, I love, I love my guests. They're amazing. (laughs) 
<laughs> so to the audience who joined us and is listening or watching, thank you for joining us. And as always, I'm wishing you peace, love, and flow. And may your flow be ever rising. Until next time. Thank you.